This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit kyber.org to download or purchase this book. The Christian Philosophy of Education Explained, 2010, Stephen C. Perks, Kuiper Foundation, Taunton, England, narrated by Nathan F. Conkey. Chapter 5. Naming the Animals. A Case Study in Godly Learning. Understanding the world around us is essential for dominion over it, but our understanding must be according to truth. We can only take dominion over the earth properly, that is, according to God's will, as we come to understand the proper nature and function of the various aspects and elements of the world around us, according to the creative purpose of the one who brought that world into being in the first place. This is the meaning of Adam's naming of the animals in Genesis 2, 19-20. The Lord brought the animals to Adam so that he might name them and thereby take dominion over them. Very clearly, this was a process of learning, of education in the fullest sense, leading to greater dominion over the animals. This story, therefore, represents a perspicuous example of the place of education and learning according to godly principles in man's calling as God's image-bearer and vicegerent on earth. There are a number of important points to be considered in this account. First, to name something in biblical times meant more than it does in 20th century Western culture today. It meant far more than merely assigning an arbitrary label to something, and therefore it is easy to miss the significance of the task given to Adam for our understanding of the educational enterprise. To name something in scripture means to describe it, or to define the meaning of something. A name in scripture means something, therefore. Thus, Abraham means father of a multitude, from the Hebrew ab, father, and rabbah, which is Arabic for multitude. A name that surely required great faith on the part of Abraham, since he had no children when he was given this name by God. Thus, in order for Adam to name the animals, he had to understand them and their place in the created order of things. Naming means describing, defining, and therefore necessitates understanding. Adam was given the task of understanding the animal kingdom, of learning about it, classifying the animals and giving appropriate descriptive names to the various species, etc. This was a major zoological task, requiring hard work, and great ability in understanding. Second, this is an account of man's pre-fall experience of learning and dominion, and is therefore instructive with regard to how man is to seek knowledge obediently. The way in which Adam undertook this task, the principles of interpretation he used to classify the data and determine its meaning and purpose, and, most importantly, the epistemological basis on which he worked, must be considered normative for obedient thinking and learning by the Christian today. Adam's naming of the animals, therefore, represents a true paradigm for human learning in all things. Third, we are told that the Lord created and brought the animals to Adam so that he might name them. The whole account takes place against the background of a God-created and God-interpreted universe, ordered according to his purpose and under his government. The animals that Adam named, therefore, were not mere facts unordered data floating around in an unordered universe, which was meaningless until the mind of man imposed his own idea of order and meaning onto it. 
The data to which Adam applied his understanding and interpretive abilities was already defined and interpreted according to God's creative purpose. Adam's rational faculties were God-created faculties, operating in a God-given and God-interpreted context. All the facts with which Adam dealt were already God-interpreted facts, and Adam was engaged in a process of learning the truth about those facts by thinking God's thoughts after him. He assumed, at this stage at least, the God-given and God-interpreted nature of the subject matter before him. He did not begin by assuming that the animal kingdom could be understood and interpreted independently of the God who created it and gave meaning to it. Rather, Adam understood, interpreted, classified and named the animals as God brought them to him. That is to say, in terms of their God-given purpose. His learning, defining, categorizing and naming were based on the God-given and God-interpreted nature of reality, and thus his understanding of the animals was based on their meaning in terms of God's creative purpose. Not until the fall did Adam reject this God-given and God-interpreted nature of reality and of the data confronting him, and chose instead to determine the nature and meaning of reality independently of God according to his own autonomous reason a move which led to drastically incorrect conclusions about the trustworthiness of God's word and the nature of reality, resulting in the death of man as God had warned. Had Adam taken this step into autonomous human reasoning and denied the God-given nature of the data before him when he began the task of naming the animals, he could not have understood and defined their true meaning and purpose in God's world and thus would have named them incorrectly. Adam's knowledge and learning at this point presuppose the God-created nature of reality and the fact that only as he thought God's thoughts after him would his knowledge be according to truth and hence reliable. Since Adam's naming of the animals is a paradigm for obedient learning, that is, a normative model for the process of human learning in all things, this means that, at the outset in all of our thinking, learning and teaching, we must accept the definitive interpretation of reality set down in God's word as an authoritative and trustworthy guide to the meaning of reality and all things in it. Only to the extent that we do this shall we have a sound basis for our understanding of the data confronting us as we seek to interpret the world in which we live. The alternative is mere human speculation founded on nothing more substantial than human fantasy. Thus, all knowledge is based ultimately on faith either in God and his definitive interpretation of reality set forth in his revelation, or else in man's capacity for creative speculation, viz. human fantasy. Obviously, knowledge sought in terms of a false understanding of reality and a false interpretation of the data based on that view of reality, for example, evolutionary myth, will lead us away from the truth as defined by God's creative purpose and into error as it did with Adam over the issue of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, resulting in death for mankind and the subjection of the earth to God's curse. Genesis 3, 14-19 Only as we approach a given subject with a commitment to the fundamental truth of the God-created and God-interpreted nature of reality as the bedrock of our thinking, as Adam did with the naming of the animals, shall our attempts to understand the world around us bear fruit. Fourth, the knowledge of the created order that Adam gained from this task was not mere theory, 
but led to greater maturity and wisdom, which issued in a more fully developed understanding of his creation mandate and greater cultural progress. There are two aspects to this. One, by undertaking this work, Adam learned not only about the nature of the animal kingdom, but also discovered something about his own nature and role in the world as God's image-bearer, which was vital to humanity, both physically and psychologically. Adam gave names to all the cattle, and to the fowl of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. Genesis 2.20 Mankind was made male and female in God's purpose. Through this task, Adam discovered his need for companionship, and thus Eve was created from Adam to be his wife and help. Furthermore, procreation is important for man's dominion over the earth. And this was so before the fall, and thus before death entered in. Indeed, procreation is essential for the fulfilling of the creation mandate. The development of man's dominion over the earth, the exploitation of the earth's natural resources, and cultural progress generally, only become possible with the division of labour and the specialisation of knowledge and technology. This necessitates procreation. Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it. 2. The animal kingdom constitutes a valuable resource for mankind in innumerable ways, and Adam's greater knowledge of the animals enabled him to exploit this resource more rationally and productively for his own benefit and for the benefit of the animal kingdom itself, and all to the glory of God. The knowledge Adam gained from this task would enable him to train and utilise the animals more effectively in his calling to cultivate the earth. The development of animal husbandry, the breeding of species particularly useful to man, and the use of animals for furs and leather, etc., were practical results of this task. The preservation of rare species and breeding of better stock were also results which were of benefit to the animal kingdom itself. See Genesis 30, 41 and 42. Thus, the naming of the animals enabled Adam to extend his dominion over the earth. This task was the beginning of the process of civilizing the earth on the practical level. The task of naming the animals, therefore, was clearly set in the context of Adam's dominion mandate. Indeed, it was an essential aspect of that mandate. It was an educational program aimed at extending his mastery over the world he was given to rule over. This process of education, of learning and growth in the understanding of God's creation and man's part in it, is essential to man's stewardship of the earth and to his calling to have dominion over it. It is not something that stands on its own, an end in itself. It has a purpose. That purpose is to train man into his calling under God and is thus fulfilled only as he exercises that calling. Education is the means of preparing man for his God-given task of subduing and replenishing the earth as God's image-bearer. The context of the educational task for the Christian, therefore, is the covenant, which, as we have seen, is a covenant of redemptive grace and dominion in Jesus Christ. Education is the process of training man into his calling to exercise dominion over the earth under the covenant that God has established with his people. In order to exploit the earth properly and productively, man must be trained into this role as a steward and manager of the earth's resources. 
That role involves understanding God's purpose for the creation, observing the limits and boundaries to man's actions in achieving that dominion, which are set down in God's law word, and utilising the earth and its resources productively for the betterment of mankind and of the earth itself. This is the calling of man in terms of God's purpose for mankind and for the whole world in which he lives. And it is as he pursues this calling obediently that he works for God and for his glory and thus worships his creator according to his word. Education is the training process by which man learns to shoulder this calling and therefore it is vitally important that in every subject and at every level this learning process should presuppose the God-created and God-interpreted nature of reality and that it should be pursued in terms of godly principles of thought and action throughout. This is why God's naming of the animals is so important and instructive for us. It was a process of learning geared to man's creation mandate to have dominion over the earth. Education cannot properly be separated from man's calling in terms of the purpose of God, since he will either be educated for dominion as God's vicegerent or else for autonomy, and this means in the end the domination of man by man and the subjugation of men, not to God and his purpose, but to men and their corrupt desires, and even to the creation itself. Education is the training program for man's calling to have dominion over the earth, and that calling is the context of man's whole life. He will pursue that calling according to God's purpose, as revealed in his word, or he will do one of two things. Either he will abuse his powers and abilities and his lordship over the earth in order to grasp power and authority for himself disobediently, or he will surrender his calling as lord over the earth and subject himself to the elements of nature to be ruled over by them instead of ruling over them. Either option means the enslaving of the mass of mankind to the created order. Both have a long history and are still with us, for example, totalitarian tyranny and the practice of pagan religions such as Hinduism. Thus, the provision of education for our children must take account of man's calling in the purpose of God. If it is to be a godly education, a training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 That calling necessitates a proper understanding of man and the world in which he lives in terms of the purpose of God. Only in the context of that calling do the various aspects of the educational task find their proper meaning, and only as the content of the education we provide for our children takes account of that calling will it enable them to mature in terms of the image of God. For the Christian, education is the means by which man is trained into his covenant task of dominion. It is a training in godly authority, power and oversight wherever God gives us responsibility. Over ourselves, over our vocations and over the natural realm. Education for the Christian, therefore, cannot be separated from the all-pervasive context of God's purpose for man under the covenant of redemptive grace and dominion in Jesus Christ. To pursue human autonomy and to educate for human autonomy is to pervert man's being and stunt his growth 
into a mature creature in terms of God's purpose. It is to pervert the nature and calling of man, who is made in the image of God, to think God's thoughts after him. It is thus a denial of humanity as created and defined in the image of God. It is no wonder, therefore, that in an age of rampant atheism and human autonomy, taken to its extremes, there is so much depression, alienation, suicide, abortion, etc. In the humanist schools of our land, children are constantly trained into the frustration and denial of their humanity as created by God. And the end is death, both for the individual and for his culture. By contrast, the educational task undertaken by Adam in his naming of the animals was a process of godly learning that led to the greater fulfilment of his calling as God's vicegerent on earth, and thus to greater maturity as a human being made in the image of God. Adam named the animals in terms of God's creative purpose, and this led to maturity and understanding, and to the extension of man's dominion over the earth, to the glory of God. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce, including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit reconstructionistradio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His kingdom.